Well, good Wednesday morning to you, and I want to welcome you to Wheat Among the Tares, our live program here every Wednesday morning from the studios of Gethsemane Baptist Church and Gethsemane Global Radio here in Lexington, South Carolina. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are in the midst of um, our second episode. We're getting ready to start that this morning. We're picking up from our discussion last week uh, when it came to the matters of the King James Bible and the translation committees of the King James Bible. And I, I personally got a great blessing out of that. And I want to welcome back to the studio this morning. Uh, I'm calling him our historian. Brother Carl Baker, I want to welcome you back this morning, my brother. I'm delighted to be here, Brother Lee. Brother, it is a blessing. And we have had such a wonderful conversation uh, before and after these broadcasts uh, about the uh, about the King James Bible translators and, and to what extent uh, the Lord assembled these men before we go there, I just a couple of things that we were talking about right before we went on the air, and I want to go ahead and bring some things out here really quickly. You said in the phone conversation we had earlier this morning um, how God gave, uh, how he assembled these men for the safety of the church. And I thought about that from the standpoint of it being that how God, in his kindness and mercy, God is only as good as his word, brother. Absolutely. And um, and when God said he would give us uh, his word, not only did he manifest his word in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is called the word, but he said this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I want to read this verse to sort of as a, as a reference. But Paul said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And then this phrase, the pillar and ground of the truth. Yes. Now, if we don't have the truth, then we certainly can't be the pillar and ground of it. And God has given to us his word. And because of the fact that he's given us his word and the men that went before us to give us this, uh, it certainly gives us a safety of absolute trust in what God has said to us that we can trust implicitly <clears throat> with all of our hearts. And, uh, brother, I do know that, again, the, the matters of what God did as far as assembling these men to give us uh, a perfect translation. Um, let's first of all, and I know you have some opening comments that you want to do, <clears throat> but the protocols that they utilized. Um, I know you have some opening comments. First start with those, and then we'll delve into the protocols of the three committees that got assembled for this very purpose. Proverbs says it, um, wisdom hath built her house, and she built it on seven foundations, I mean seven pillars. And um, the King James authorized version is the seventh English translation that comes from the Masoretic text and the um, received text, which is the Byzantine text, which mm -hmm. is also known as the traditional text. Mm -hmm. And... Um, 
after that, that ends it. So wisdom has built her house, and it's our obligation to come to it and find it. Amen. And uh, receive it. I was, I spoke uh, last week, and I, I made a misquote, uh, misquote, and I want to straighten that out right off the bat, and that is this right here. I said something about Lancelot Andrews, who was proficient in 21 languages, and I, I said that, uh, you know, that he, I made the statement that one of them said that he was, uh, that whenever he spoke, those languages and everything else that you you couldn't decipher between him and a native of the of the tongue. Right. But actually, that quotation was made about Tyndale, and Tyndale uh, was proficient in seven languages that were associated with the scriptures themselves, as far as what we had received from his translation. Mm-hmm. And Tyndale's translation winds up being basically the language seventy percent of it of our King James Bible that we have today is comes from Tyndale. And, and how he put the words and, uh, and the structure of the scriptures uh, in his translation. And uh, so uh, that was said about Tendo. Uh, what was said about Lancel Andrew at his, at his funeral was that, um, that he was so proficient in the Asian languages that no doubt that had he been alive during the time of the Tower of Babel, he could have been the interpreter general for the for the sake of the tongue to get to kind of guide the people there at the uh, the Tower of Babel. But uh, it, but it's just something that that people knew that was in these men and these translators at a time in history, never before and never after. Amen. Uh, that uh, that God brought together to give us the book that we we call the Holy Bible. Three committees in England at that time, mm-hmm. uh, Cambridge, Oxford, and Westminster. These were the three uh, groups, if you would, of men that were assembled uh, for the very purpose of, at the behest of King James, <clears throat> put together uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, these committees. Brother, what a phenomenal group, first of all. Yeah, yeah. And I know that uh, just from the standpoint of my uh, limited uh, introduction to some of these men, one of the things I noticed about that is, first of all, that they never promoted themselves. Yes. And um, uh, without a doubt, you read um, behind many of these, quote, new translations that are out there, and virtually every one of those uh, groups promote a lot about themselves which ought to say something to us about the humility of these men that went before us. The protocols, Brother Carl, that they utilized, uh, first of all, within their own committee, and then how they shifted those things between themselves. Uh, Give us a background on that, because I think it's so important uh, that uh, even the common uh, the common man, for the lack of another term, was even invited to come in and uh, and and offer their input on this as well. Very amazing story in and of itself. Let me give <clears throat> let me give the introduction to the translators and the instructions. The King James, as well as uh, Brankoff, who was ahead of the committee, was chosen to be the head of all the committees. Uh, what he instructed them in, and those fifteen points that were to guide them in the, in the completion 
of this translation. We need to understand this right here that even they will say, and we'll read, we'll read that as far as the, where the, they spoke about the fact that they were not making a new translation. They weren't going to go into all of the uh, recesses of all the knowledge accumulated within, within papyruses and, and codices and things like that. The established word, they'd already believed that that was established to the church through the Reformation texts that were given to uh, them uh, into the English translations already. Mm -hmm. The King James translator made it plain that what they were doing was not making a new translation. They were taking good translations, and they were talking about those English translations that they they were sat down with, with the guidance <clears throat> of the manuscript they had um, that was delivered to them. And they said that um, they were going to make good translation, a good translation, better and what they were going to do is unify and this is what king james wanted to and and this is what the church of england wanted and especially the puritans and uh they wanted to, with rogers ahead of them and such as that they pleaded with the king to give them a translation that would unify the believers in the church together and so that there would be no divergences between the bishop bible the geneva bible and uh, uh, or the great bible any of the bibles that were authorized to be translated and given to the to the to the believers of england and in so doing it is it is unimaginable well, this is just the way it was let me read to you what they said was given to them to translate this Bible and use the text that people were already using. I mean, the Geneva Bible was the most famous Bible at that time being That's used right. by the common people because it came from Scotland. And uh, it was given to the people, and the common people had the Bible, as well as the church through the bishop's Bible. Right. But there was a unity needed to bring the body together, and it was no doubt of the Holy Spirit because within nine years, the new world was going to be uh, uh, evolved. And when it did, uh, God was going to give that book to them because America would be the wings of, uh, and the eagle's wings that are plucked from that lion that are now going to take and God's going to use those missionary endeavors of America and the foundation of this new nation to to begin uh, uh, publishing the Bible like never before. Amen. And I'll tell you what, the publication winds up being the authorized version to the whole world Amen. and it's still the most published Bible in the world. Amen. But here's what, this is, let me give the instructions. Here's the instructions. First of all, the ordinary Bible read in the church, commonly called the Bishop's Bible, would be followed and as little altered as the original will permit. And the names of the prophets, number two, and the holy writers with other names in the text to be retained as near as may be according as they're vulgarly used. The old, number three, the old ecclesiastical words to be kept as the word church, not to be translated congregation. One of the verses <clears throat> that troubled not just King James, but the church itself was the fact when the Lord is speaking to, to Peter and Matthew, uh, 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 upon uh, this rock, I'll build my church. Well, they had it as congregation in one of the translations there. And, and King James said the unity of the fact is right here, it, he established the church you understand, would mm -hmm. be that rock. Yes. So he says uh, 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 the rock of faith that he gave and the rock would be the Lord Jesus Christ as Peter later in his own epistle interprets it to be That's so. That's right, amen. Yeah. All right, so he says this, 
<clears throat> he says, when, uh, number four, when any word hath diverse significations, that to be kept, which has been most commonly used by the most eminent fathers, being agreeable to the propriety of place and all analogy of analogies of faith. Uh, number five, the division of chapters to be altered either not at all or as little as may be, if necessary, so require. Number six, no marginal notes at all to be affixed, but only for the explanation of the Hebrew or Greek words, which cannot without some circulation so briefly and fittedly be expressed in the text. In other words, you won't make any notes to change the wording of what you put in that text unless it's something that's difficult or something that could be uh, in a, as far as the Greek, put the Greek word there and, and let it be looked at, but understanding the text is what the, the author, uh, the uh, translators chose to be the, inter the, the proper interpretation Amen. in the English. Amen. No marginal notes be affixed. Uh, the, uh, the Bishop's Bible, though greatly admired by everybody else, had a problem with it in the sense that it had it had uh, doctrinal viewpoints of Calvinism because it came that's where it came from, and it had so many notes affixed to it and everything else that were pro-Catholic. I mean, right. pro <laughs> that they were pro-Calvinistic, and so no marginal notes at all to be affixed, but only for explanation of Hebrew or Greek words which cannot, without some issues uh, problems, so briefly and fitly be expressed in the text. Such quotations of places to be marginally set down as, as shall serve uh, for the fit reference of, of one scripture to another. Every particular, that, number eight, every particular man of each company to take the same chapter or chapters and having translated or amended them severally by himself where he thinks is good, all to meet together to confirm what they've done and agree for their part what shall stand. This shows you this right here that whenever a committee translated the, its portions that it was assigned, it would then send it to another, the other committee, and the other committee would take what they have, what they have translated and give to the fir first committee, and they would interchange from the committees everything that every translators in those committee, what they translated to be the text, so that it was gone over multitudes of times. But not only that, but also to disavow any private interpretation of the scriptures to make a change so unlike the revised version and the other new translations. You'll notice this right here. They make so many changes from one text to another to the point that we have over 208 English translations of the Bible that they promised us was supposed to make it clearer and plainer, easier understood and such as that. To protect our Bible from such a private interpretation that would be used uh, these translators took the scriptures that, that once they got through the translation, put it to the other committee. And these men were, and here, this is, this, it is so marvelous to even think about it, that these men were so qualified within the languages of the scriptures and those, those texts that the scriptures came from. They were so qualified to know what should be written in, in that text that they themselves could they could they could take the scriptures whether it was in greek whether it was in whether it was in latin whether it was in hebrew or whatever else. Uh, brother blake they were so learned that on each committee such learned men were on those committees they could actually check out what was translated in such a way that they could accurately uh, judge whether or not that was a proper interpretation of the scriptures or not <clears throat> each committee had men on it that were so learned 
that they could do such a thing. And, and Brother Carl, I, th- I think about just the um, the humility of these men that that, in other words, when they issued you know whatever their particular uh, chapters were what particular uh, section of the scriptures they were dealing with and then to and then to share that with amongst the other committees uh, and to be willing to say hey we want you to look at this we want you to compare this Absolutely. we want you um, to me that is a, a, a significant aspect of the translation of this Bible because of the fact that men in their humility said they wanted absolutely before the Lord, first of all, and secondly, among each other, that, that again, the safety of the church and the unity, yes, as, yes. You all, as you described, the unity of the church, to be able to say we have in our hands, yes. we have in our hands the Word of God. You know, if you study out how our Bible was given to us in the English language. You'll set aside all this foolishness about men talking about new manuscripts they found or, or uh, you know, papyrus they found or some the Dead Sea Scrolls and things like that. You'll put so far that far away because let me tell you something. Never have such a group of such learned men ever entrusted their learning to those who had less than them. I mean, and that's a major thing. They entrusted the church to know more by the leadership of the Spirit of God. Even in the common man who studied the scriptures and went to school, because in those days you were taught Latin in the in the school. That's right. So I mean, these these some of these languages were their their native tongues too, as far as uh, what they had to study. They were not just bilingual. Many of them knew several languages. Mm-hmm. But anyway. What men do you know of that had such a caliber of learning would entrust to those that they knew may have had less than them and yet trust the Spirit of God to move upon them in such a way that they could actually find something that they needed to learn to correct? It's just, it's, I mean, uh, listen to this. Every particular man of each company to take the same chapter or chapters and having translated or amended them severally by himself, where he thinks good, all to meet to confirm what they've done and agree for their part what shall stand. You can make some changes, but it's going to go before the whole committee. Every change is going to be noted, and all the committee is going to go over it. And then point nine, as any one company have dispatched any one book in this manner, they shall send it to the rest. In other words, they're going to send it to the other committees now, and they're going to check them out. And he says, and it says in the instruction, it says, and then to be considered of seriously and judiciously, for his majesty is very careful on this point. And so point 10 was, if any company, upon the review of the book so sent, shall doubt or differ upon any places to send them word thereof to note the places and therewithal to send their reasons, to which if they consent not, the difference to be compounded at the general meeting, which is to be of the chief persons of each company at the end of the work. In other words, if there's anything that's still lacking, 
at the end of this thing, right. the chief men of those committees are going to come together, and they as a group will decide which word will be chosen. And they said, and then point 11 says this, when any place of special obscurity is doubted of, letters to be directed by authority to send to any learned man in the land for his judgment of such a place. In other words, if something really got to be a controversy in the committees, they were now to send it to the general churches and bishops of the churches. And those bishops of learned caliber were to consider what was going to be chosen as far as the text and how it read. It would now be given to the church body itself because they believed that the church was the pillar and ground of the truth of which they were only a part of. They were not established to be the church. They reached out, yes, brother, and uh, and it, amazing thing in and of itself because of the fact that, again, this was going to be the word of God that not only uh, the pastors and the preachers, but also the common man would lay his hands upon, and God through these men afforded every opportunity for them to have input on this that bottom line that again we would have as they said in the epistle dedicatory one more exact translation of the word of god into the english tongue an amazing thing brother carl in and of itself yes praise god for the fact we have his word go ahead as i read point 11 when any place of special obscurity is doubted of the letters to be directed by authority to send any learned man in the land for his judgment at such places. That might be the knowledge of some of the learned men that were translators. They knew other learned men that couldn't naturally, you couldn't just get every man on the committees. But here's the thing. They would send it to those men to consider what was going, this, this, this issue, and they would read it over. Okay? But watch this. Point 12. Letters to be sent from every to be sent from every bishop to the rest of his clergy, admonishing them of this translation at hand and to move and to charge as many as being skillful in the tongues have taken pains in that kind to send their particular observ observations to the company, either at Westminster, Cambridge, or Oxford, according as it was directed before in the king's letter to the archbishop. In other words, the king told the archbishop who was overseeing Bancroft, you make sure that all the bishops of the churches understand this undertaking we're making and that they're to be kept abreast of the changes that, that they, have, they have decided to make and they are to send them to the bishops of the churches to let them affirm that it's acceptable. And brother, I mean, when did you ask the whole church to get involved? This translation was being done where the whole church would be involved so it would bring unity. The churches know this right here, that they, the, even the least of them was not accepted when it come to the word of God itself to be given to the church as its authority. And that is very key right there. Every man be accepted. The Lord opened salvation, Brother Carl, to every man. And I am so very, very thankful that God in his providence uh, open that through these men to open themselves up 
for criticism. Yes, yes. That's what they did. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, and because they wanted, they desired Absolutely. with all of their whole heart before God to make sure that men were included, every man was included, if he wanted to, yes. uh, to be able to comment and to uh, correct and to, uh, again, put into words what God wanted for every man. And to me, that is an amazing thing in and of itself. These men were recognized, no doubt, by scholars and scholarship. They were appointed these committees. Surely the greatest of, that were known were working and teaching in the universities, uh, these three universities. But they themselves never accepted the fact that they were the only learned because they were recognized. They accepted the fact that the Spirit of God was the teacher himself of the book that they themselves were working on, and therefore those men in the church, as, as learned as they were, were elevated to just the same level as them when it came to the work on this book. And you know something? Whatever, whatever questions were brought out, they saw as constructive criticism, and they were going to investigate to make sure that the reason, and they even said, you must write down the reason you either accepted or rejected. Brother. I hope uh, your listeners here, and I want to take just a moment uh, just to uh, reiterate that we are dealing with, as you probably understand, the <clears throat> committees of the King James translation and how God in his absolute mercy and kindness put together uh, these groups of men in his providence to give us this Bible, the Holy Bible that we hold in our hands today, that we cleave to, um, that absolutely is the rock of our foundation of our faith. And Brother Carl, it, it is just an amazing thing to me um, of the, again, just, again, I'll use the word providence. I'm stumbling around here, but mm. just the word providence of how God's hand put these men together. And uh, my mind goes back, and I'm going to regress just a second here. You made a comment earlier in the broadcast that this was 70% of William Tyndale's language, efforts and right. language. Uh, a man who suffered um, being burnt at the stake yes. uh, for all of his efforts to try to give to the common man uh, a Bible. And how that there was, he was so fought against, and Satan absolutely in his uh, ruthlessness to destroy, to try to destroy this man. But and I remember Tyndale, if I'm not mistaken, prayed as he was being burnt. Yes, Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. That's right. Did he not ever answer? That prayer. I'll tell you right now. Uh, and you know something? Um, there's no better known Bible than the authorized version. We refer to it as the authorized version. And they say King James Version because uh, it was uh, King James that they authorized the translation and such as that. But no greater prayer for the sake of the church of, of Jesus Christ has been answered 
on the basis of the request of one man who was willing to give everything, his life, his body, his work, and everything else. He was willing to give it to the flames that it might be tried and proved. And I'll tell you this right here. When it was, it came out gold. I'll assure you. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Yeah. Um, let me finish the last two points here, and then uh, we'll. Uh, I want to read one other excerpt from someone who wrote, I thought was really well worded. The directors of each company to be the deans of Westminster and Chester for Westminster and the king's professors in Hebrew and Greek in the two universities. These translations, number 14, to be used when they agree better with the text than the Bishop's Bible, Tyndale's, Coverdale's, Matthew's, and Rogers, uh, uh, Kramer's in Geneva. And the, the last thing was this right here. By a latter rule, three or four of the most ancient and grave divines in either of the universities not employed in translating to be assigned to be overseers of the translation for the better observation of the fourth rule. And what was the fourth rule? Here was the fourth rule. When any word hath diverse significations, that to be kept, that to be kept, which has been most commonly used by the most eminent fathers, being agreeable to the propriety of the place and the analogies of the faith. He said this right here. I want the eminent divines that are not on the translation. When it comes to the finality of things that need to be agreed, we will bring it to them and we will let them read it and they will decide what is the common, how the common, how the common translation has always been made and that will be the one that settles it. Amen. I mean, that's it. I thought it was great and uh, uh, one man said this in conclusion having read the things that I read and how it was went about it said Israel said Tyndale's work of translation was so ex excellent that easily 70% of the words of the Bible are Tyndale's God had set the standard over the next century God's pre preserved words were translated and revised by many scholars a great many good translators these along with God's preserved words in Italian Spanish French Dutch and other languages were all good translations but the goal of the king's translators of 1604 to 1611 was not to write a new Bible from scratch, nor was it to make a translation from the Roman Catholic perversions. Truly, good Christian reader, this is what they said in the dedicatory. Truly, good Christian reader, we never thought from the beginning that we should need to make a new translation, nor yet to make a bad one a good one, but to make a good one better, or out of many good ones, the one principal good one, not justly to be accepted against, that that hath been our endeavor, that our mark. Translators to the readers. Their mark was this right here. Take what we've got that God gave the church, and we will unify the church in the finality of that which we, we see that is best that the Holy Spirit gave the church. And you know what, brother? God has fulfilled it, and I want to say this right here, and it's fulfilling it even today, 450 years later. God bless it. God bless it. And he Lord. has. Brother Carl, that has been an amazing uh, two-episode situation that we have done here, and I know it has not scratched the surface, but I believe it has laid a very good foundation 
for those that uh, will that have listened this morning will listen to this podcast and will go back and listen to part one of this as well and i trust that you will because again um it gives us such a uh a reverence for the word of god and what he has done uh to establish us in our faith for the bible says for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god romans ten seventeen. brother carl baker thank you for coming once again sitting in the studio with us this morning and sharing your heart concerning this it has been a blessing to have you it's my brother been my delight brother and I trust that what we have brought forth here this morning on Wheat Among the Tares has been a help and a blessing to you. I know it has to me, and I hope it has to you. Podcasts will be posted later today on several of the platforms. I trust that you will download it, share it with those that uh, you would desire to be able to hear about this particular subject. Thanks for joining us here. Pray for us, and may the Lord bless you, and have a wonderful day.